Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't praying. Y'all just talking over here. I can tell already. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't, y'all ain't laying hands and blessing. Y'all just chit-chat, but holy chit-chat probably. Edifying chit-chat probably right there, right? Building up one another chit-chat. How y'all feeling this morning? Feeling good? I'm feeling good. You feeling good, Mike? Good job, man. <laughs> Give it up for Mikey if you would. Working hard. You probably, you, you, you couldn't see it because Mikey handled it so well, but we had some fairly significant technical issues this morning. Some things didn't line up that were supposed to line up, and uh, he and Aletta just rolled with it. How about Aletta leading us this morning? If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 5. <coughs> I haven't coughed all week. Got to cough soon as I get in the pulpit. Devil's a liar. Devil's a liar, Mike. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Did you notice this week we had three of the hottest days on record? Did you notice, like, historically hot? Have you noticed that? It was historically hot this week. I don't know if you saw in the news, but... um. We're breaking records for how hot it is. Like, that's that's probably a problem. What do you think? That's probably a problem. If you're my, well, my wife, it's really a problem. My wife really doesn't like warm weather. She really doesn't like it. And uh, we had the AC guy come out and look at one of our units. It got warm here last week. And, um, and uh, they looked at it. And, you know, they always got a solution for you. They're like, well, you know, your units are not the newest. And it is, you know, 96 degrees out. But we could replace... You know, we have four air conditioning units in this place. And they're like, we could replace the four of them. It'll be about $8,000 each. I was like, we, we can, we can, we might church fans might come back in style. I don't know because <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I, I feel like, I feel like I have better use for 30 grand than, uh, you know, just, just to survive late August. You know what I'm saying? But there, there's, there's, the, the earth has got some problems right now. We got some problems happening in our world. We got some problems happening in our society. <clears throat> got some problems. And um, as we approach Romans chapter 5, <clears throat> Paul is trying to deal with some issues. The church in Rome is dealing with issues. And I, and I appreciate you uh, honoring the Word of God. I appreciate you honoring the written Word. I appreciate you reading it. I'm thankful for a church that reads the Bible, that wants to know what the Bible means. A church that preaches the Bible, has faith in the Word of God. And Paul is writing to the church in Rome to try to address problems that they were having in Rome. We've detailed those before, but there were some divisions between Jew and Gentile. The Jews, of course, had been exiled, uh, and then they were coming back, and they come back, and some different people were in charge. And so Paul was trying to give a theological treatise to the church in Rome about who Jesus is and what's going on and how they should look at these problems in the world. How many of you know we need to be looking at the problems of the world through the lens of Jesus? We need to not be looking at the world through colonialism, through capitalism, through socialism. We need to be looking at it through the eyes of faith. Amen. And that's why today we are in our Summer of Faith message series. Go ahead and throw it up if you would there, Bella. Our Summer of Faith message series. I believe that in in this message series, some, some people are going to have their faith unlocked in ways that you had not before. And in that, I believe some of you are going to have doubts that have been weighing against your faith dashed to the ground. I believe that the enemy has been blocking some of your faith. And I believe we're going to be sharing some truths that are going to enable you to walk in faith in this coming season. But Paul was writing to the church in Rome and, and, he, and he talks to this church and he starts telling them as we start reading in Romans chapter 2 or 3 to give you a quick summary to kind of catch us up. He starts talking about how there's this sinful trap for all of humanity that came from Adam. Adam had the choice to live in freedom with God, but instead chose, chose he woke up and chose violence, if I, should, if I could say. Right? He woke up and he chose a, 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 bad, a bad path. And, and this was a sinful trap of all humanity. And then Paul goes on to tell the church, can you just turn me down just one little touch? Just turn me down just a, just a, just, just, just a hair, a skosh. Hold on. 
Hold on. Just, 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 yeah, you're good. Just a skosh. There you go. And so, um, and so, and so, and so, so Paul starts talking about the sufficiency. One more skosh. One more skosh. Just want to, just want to kill the reverb. A skosh. Turn me down. A skosh. It's a, it's a GED word. Um, <laughs> It means a little bit in Japanese. I'm, bit, I'm, 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 I'm polyglot here. I didn't even know it. <clears throat> didn't even know it. A skosh. A little bit. Just turn me down just a little bit. Just turn me down just a little bit. Excellent. And so Paul starts talking about the sufficiency of the gospel to address the issues of sinful man. You see, the Jews had this, had this whole system set up on how to deal with sin. And Paul was trying to let them know, I understand you want to go back to the old ways, but the, Jesus Christ is, is sufficient. It's sufficient to deal with sin, the gospel. And then, he, then, he, then, he, then in Romans 4, Paul starts talking about how Abraham had this sin nature because he was descendant of Adam, but because of faith, he was made right with God. Now this, this was Paul trying to tell the Jews in Rome, like, listen, people got in to this covenant with God when nothing had been earned. And so I want you to give a little grace to the Gentiles who are now running the church in Rome, that they didn't deserve it just like you didn't deserve it. But, but these Jews came in, the, the descendants of Abraham came into the faith without the sacrifice of Jesus by their own faith in the sufficiency of God. They were justified by faith, Paul tells them. And he's like, the same way, we're justified by faith. And this is not something that he made up about God. He says that because God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham received a word directly from God, that Abraham's faith in God's word made him right with God. This is super important. This was before the law. This was before the sacrifices. This was before all the ceremonies. This was before the temple. This whole faith started on God talking and people believing it. And when people would follow God's word, they were considered right with God. And then later on, people didn't trust that. And so we had this whole system of laws and ceremonies. But that was never God's intention. God's original intention was that we would hear and obey the voice of God. And so we get here to Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here, here, here's the problem with Christianity, if I can be honest with you. I love ministry. I love pastoring. I love the church. Don't you love the church? The problem, yeah, the problem with the church and the problem with Christianity is all the Christians, right? It's, it's the people, right? If it's just you and God, things are great, right? Because there's, there's no obstacles, there's no barriers, there's, there's no disagreements, there's no confusion, the problem with Christianity is, is us, right? We mess this thing up. God has it perfect. There's a whole group of people who are celebrating their deconstruction today. Have you noticed this online at all? There is just a, a wave of people who are just so proud that they found a problem with the faith that they were raised in and then put in absolutely zero work to figure out what the truth is. Instead, they just say, I found a problem, therefore I'm done. That's like being in the third grade and your teacher having a bad day and deciding, ah, school is fake, I'll show them. 
I won't learn anything else. Like, well, good job, dum-dum, right? Like, good, great job. Now you've learned nothing, right? The challenge of finding out that the church is not perfect is not standing in judgment. It's figuring out what the truth is and helping those who are in error. This is, this is the challenge of the church, and it's what the challenge has always been. And, and there are people who have been, been hurt by the church. I, I, absolutely. Um, I, I can name some. Um, Jesus, right? Jesus got hurt by the church that his father started. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, Jesus didn't say, well, ah, screw them. You know, they can all go to hell. Jesus literally said the opposite. Jesus literally said, I see the problem here. I'm going to help them bridge the gap between the false thing that they believe and how they're treating people poorly and the love of God. And I am willing to take stripes on my back to help other people come into a right relationship with God. This is the model of Jesus. But today, it's some sort of badge of honor to just kind of check in your faith and check out. Like, oh, I found an issue. I'm going scorched earth. I'm going to burn everything behind me. I'm going to slander the people who've poured into my life. And I'm as if you're at some sign of maturity. It's not. It's a sign of unhealed trauma. And this is, and this is the problem. When we come to Jesus, we have lived a life of sin. Our entire life has been in sin when we come to Jesus. Until we come to faith in Christ, we have lived a life being led by our flesh, and our flesh is a slave of sin. And then we come to Jesus, and He maybe saves us dramatically or mildly, or we just come to an understanding that He is God. And the problem is, we have an entire lifetime of trauma sitting in our psyche. We have all the hurts, all the wounds, all the problems that we've ever had, and then we come to Jesus with some failed notions about what Jesus is going to do in our lives and how Jesus is going to interact with our background. And so what we do is we look based on what was going on in our past and we have these glasses on, these trauma glasses, I like to call them. We look at our future through trauma glasses and we see the trauma in our past and we project it into our future, and we project Jesus in one of two ways, or God in general. We either say God is just like the people who hurt me in the past, and now I just have to learn to endure Him, or we look at God as the cosmic fixer, and anything that was wrong with me in the past, or happened to me in the past, God is going to fix. So either we blame all our problems on Him, or we offload all of the solutions to our problem on God, Instead of saying, maybe the commonality to all these problems is me and my sin nature and the bad decisions that brought me to where I am today. I, I, I like watching court, like live court drama. I, my wife used to chide me a lot because I would just put on the court live stream and I just watch it in the background while I'm working at times. And uh, what's funny is when people go to trial, and they have a full trial, a full trial. They put on all their evidence. And then the jury comes back and says, yeah, we find you guilty. We're going to have the uh, sentencing phase come next month. And then they have the sentencing phase. And at this point, you have been found guilty and you go before the judge and you try to plead your case. Like, just, just give me some, just please. I know, I know what I deserve, but please help me out and don't give me what I deserve. Just mercy. Can you show me some mercy? Every now and then, a defendant will stand in front of the judge and say, Judge, uh, I didn't do this. I'm completely innocent. And the judge invariably stops them and says, uh, no, actually, we had a trial. And the trial, 12 people of your peers, has determined that you, in fact, did this. So telling me you didn't do it is not going to help your case. You did this. And by you saying you didn't do it shows that you have not owned up to your actions. What the judge is saying is, I can't show mercy on you because you will not own what you have done. You've not given me a sin for me to show mercy on. You still are disassociating from what you have done wrong and want me to take the burden of your bad decisions. And that's not how it works. And we go to God who is merciful and loving and deals with things in ways we could never 
No. But at the same time, as we mature in Christ, we have to come to the place where we're healed enough to say, yeah, that was me. And I need to own up to this and bring it to God so that he can heal it. You see, there are many offerings the Bible shows us. There's many offerings in the Old Testament that God commanded people to give. And one is the guilt offering. We call it confession. We need to come to God and say, I absolutely blew it. And I need you to help me fix it where I blew it. But unfortunately, we can't do that because we look at God through our trauma glasses. I want to give you three very quickly types of God. We put God in these boxes. And we, we, have, this, we have this tendency to put God in boxes, and then we get mad at God that He didn't work in the box we put Him in. I remember the song we used to sing all the time um, about uh, God and about how He'll never... You're never going to let... Never going to let me down. I, I would like, yeah, that's good, but that's just not, not, not true. God has let me down lots of times because I've expected God to do something that he never said he was going to do. Like the lottery has let me down. Even though the lottery didn't promise me I was going to win anything. As a matter of fact, if you read anything about the lottery, they tell you every single time, you will not win. You are not winning the lottery. Yet and still, people buy lotto tickets and get disappointed that they don't win. You are, not, you are not winning the lottery. And to put your hope in the lottery is silly. And we put our hope in God to do things that God never said He would do. And then we judge God for not doing the thing that we said that He would do. And then we don't understand why we're in some emotional turmoil. So real quickly, as I, as I get into the message this morning, I wanted three boxes that I have found that people will put God in. Put the first one up, please. We, God, God is, genie God is not pure faith. We, we, want, we want faith in God. We want, we want our faith to be pure. We, want, we don't want polluted faith. We don't want trauma glasses faith. And this is probably the most immature faith, genie God. Genie God is the God like Aladdin's lamp where he would receive this lamp and he would rub it and the genie would come out and say, what do you want? Three wishes. Just, just dream it in your heart, say it out loud, and I will magically make it come to pass. That's genie God. The problem there is you're not God and you don't get to kind of come up with what God wants to do. Faith, this, this genie God says that faith is a force that can be manipulated to get whatever you want. As if G Jesus is your cosmic assistant to help you bring in your kingdom. The, the problem is that Jesus is the son of the father ushering in the father's kingdom. That, 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 that's the problem. And this kind of faith, it's not trusting faith. This is what psychologists would call magic thinking. If you've studied psychology, magic thinking, um, there, there's two main groups that you find operate in what's called magic thinking. Uh, number one would be those with mental health issues, uh, OCD and the like. What they think is, oh, it's in my brain, therefore it's going to happen. And so when you deal with people with mental health issues, they'll think, oh my God, I didn't touch this doorknob three times, my uncle's going to get cancer. And you're like, Let, I don't understand how, I don't, I don't understand, wait, what? Or they'll, or they'll think, oh, if I did this thing wrong, then my uh, nephew is, is not going to get into college. Or if, if the, and so there's this magical thinking that whatever's going on in their head is affecting the people around them, right? That's called magical thinking. Did anybody know, anybody, know, anybody met anybody like this? Like they have these irrational fears that what they're doing, I had a divine appointment with somebody recently um, who, who, has, uh, who told me they, they suffer with OCD and, uh, and they said, after they told me that they've been diagnosed with OCD, they said, uh, you know, I had this sin and God told me, you know, if, if I, you know, I knew that if I did this sin again, my, my nephew would, would get um, cancer and that I would be, be cursed to hell. And I was like, um, that's, that's not God. That's, that's your OCD. See a therapist and get on some medication. Like, this can be fixed. This can be helped. This is a brain chemical issue that needs to be addressed. This is called magical thinking. And magical thinking is similar to... to there, there's two places you find it. You find it with mental health issues and you find it in the church. 
that if I think it, it's, it's, create, it's powering things all over the world. And I had to tell this young man, I know what you're thinking, but you're not as powerful as you think you are. Like, you, do, you, you have not been given the power over other people's health. You, the, the, you see this with young women who are like, oh, when I was a teenager, I, I did this sin. Is that why I'm not able to have children now? And I'm like, no, that's, that's, no, that's magical thinking. Um, people, terrible people have children. People who are prostitutes have children. Rapists have children. Mass murderers have children. God is not punishing you with infertility based on a minor sin you did when you were young. This is, this is magic thinking. You're, you're not that powerful. And this magic thinking comes from us desperately wanting to be in control. Desperately wanting to have some sort of control over our lives. But the other place you find this magic thinking is in church. People come up with an idea, and because it's in my head, they call it faith, and therefore it's going to manifest through the world. And you just don't have that kind of power, right? I just, just, just want to let you know, it, it doesn't work that way. That's not pure faith. If you come up with it, God is not obligated to do anything. This is, this is magic genie faith. Listen, God, God does want to bless you. This, this is the part that we don't understand. I absolutely believe that God wants to bless you. I absolutely believe that God wants to bless your finances. I absolutely believe that God wants to bless your health. I absolutely believe that God wants to bring you into your call and destiny. Is anybody agreeing with me right now? I absolutely believe that God wants you to be able to own a home if that's in your heart. He wants you to be debt free. He wants you to have a retirement. I believe that God wants you to have friends and a healthy marriage if that's in your heart and kids that serve God. I believe all those things. Can you say amen? I, I believe that God wants you to have mature, safe relationships that you can be your full self in. But the problem is we focus on the blessing in this magical thinking instead of the one who wants to bless us. Any theology that has you focusing on what you want instead of focusing on the one who wants good things for you is a false theology. Amen, pastor. That's a good word. Thanks for telling that. I really appreciate it. That's good. Listen, listen, this is, this is magic. Magic genie faith is not pure faith. Huh? And we got to know what these obstacles are to pure faith so we can operate in the miraculous in your life. We got we to gotta recognize where we're getting it wrong so we can get it right. Amen? The second one, here we go. Put it up if you would, please. This is grandpa faith. Grandpa God is not pure faith. Grandpa God. What, what's, what's grandpa God? This is, this is, this is, this is, this is like the opposite almost of, 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 of magic genie God. Grandpa God is like, you know, your grandpa that you love or maybe your older uncle, he lives in another city and you don't see him that often. And when you see him, he's nice and, you know, he's good, but he's not necessarily part of your life. Right. He's not there part of the day and day. He, he's up there. God is he's doing his thing. And I'm down here doing my thing. Maybe when I was young, I heard from him. He told your stories about him. I've heard, but he's not actually actively involved in my life. You know, I have happy thoughts about him. Um, he might leave me inheritance, uh, but, you know, that's that's pretty much the end of our interaction. This is kind of like Santa Claus, God. Right. This is. We, we only reach out to Grandpa God when we need something, right? God is doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. And I really only reach out to him when I need something. See, this is, this is a false concept of God because God is loving and he's trustworthy and he is like a good grandfather, but he doesn't want you to leave him in the retirement home. He doesn't want you just visiting him when you feel guilty, Right? He doesn't just want you to visit him on the holidays. God is actually a good father who wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. He actually has a good plan for all of your life. He's not just there for when things get bad and he's like, oh, I understand that you're a knucklehead and you need bailed out. I'm not judging you. I'd be more than happy to help. He is that, but more. He wants to help you keep from getting into these bad seasons that require you to get rescued. I believe in deliverance. I believe, I believe that God frees people from oppression. I believe he rescues us in times of need. But I believe also that he wants to have a relationship where we won't need rescue. He wants to have a relationship where we won't need him to come through in time of need. He'd like us to live a peaceable life where, where we live from glory to glory to glory 
to glory, from faith to faith, from blessing to blessing. I, 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 I'm glad that there were therapists to help out when we had some issues in my marriage, but I would much rather we both just listen to God and not ever need to get things fixed. Amen? This is, this is, this is, this is, we got to get rid of the, the, the grandpa God metaphor. Last one I want to share today. Put it up if you would, please. Dictator God is not pure faith. This is, this is the opposite of, of genie God. Dictator God. Remember the Truman Show? Remember that old movie, The Truman Show, where Jim Carrey was like in this bubble? You remember, remember the movie? Anybody, anybody remember the movie? And, and Truman didn't recognize that he was in like this, he was in this movie, and everything around him was pre-scripted. And they gave him a reality that wasn't real. And there was somebody in the clouds running his life, dictating everything that happens. This is, this is like that, that we were talking about. I, 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 had a, I had a great conversation last night. I'll probably reference it several times. We, we, we had a, we, we, this dictator God, like God is sovereign. And we have to understand that in God's sovereignty, he has given us choices. In God's sovereignty, he has given us freedom. And dictator God has us thinking, well, God's going to get his way. And whatever happens is up to God. Therefore, I don't need to actually participate in what's happening. God is dictating everything. So, so I, I, don't, I don't need to work my life out. And if bad things happen, here, here, here's how you know if you believe in a dictator God. When bad things are happening, you say things like, well, this is probably a, a test. God is, God is testing me in this. Or, oh, there must be some area that I need to grow in. That's why this sickness came. Or I lost my job. Or the house I'm being evicted from it. This is, this is God trying to de- teach me something, or I must be doing something wrong. This is a false theology of God where He's up there manipulating everything that happens on earth. You know, no. God does desire holiness, but He's not overbearing. He's not living in heaven being critical. He's not, he's not up there waiting to pounce on you every time you make a mistake. We have to know what God is really saying. And I wanted to put those up there so you can know what God is not saying. I, I, love, I love counseling people. And if you are wrestling with what God has spoken to you and you're not sure about what to do with it, schedule a meeting with a leader. I love sitting down with people who tell me what God said and I get to look them in the eye and say, God never said that. God never, ever said that to you. That was not God. That was you. That was that your dad wasn't nice to you. That was your hopes and dreams that were not been sanctified. God did not say this. And let me show you in the word why this is not true. Let me free you of this burden. I love telling people who think that they're under the punishment of God because they can't get a job or because they can't get a home. I love showing them. Let's go through the Old Testament and look at what God's punishments look like. Have you been carried away into slavery into another country because you were the king of Israel and did not obey God? No. Okay. Have you ever been appointed the prophet of Israel and you did not deliver a true word? Therefore, over a course of 40 years, God warned you to stop and you didn't stop, so you were carried away into captivity? No. Okay. This is called the consequences of your own actions. That's what's happening right here. This is not God punishing you. This is the consequences of bad decisions. Anybody know what I'm talking about right here? We need pure faith in God. We got to stop blaming God for things he didn't do. And we need to start letting God speak to our hearts on things he wants us to do so we can see his plan come to pass on the earth. Amen. We need to have pure faith. Faith in what God said to us. We have to have faith in what God has spoken to us. Now, Adam brought sin into the world. But Jesus was able to deal with all the sin of the world. Why is that significant? Watch this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Let me read that again to you. This is this is a pretty big deal right here. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Those who have been justified have peace with God. And I'm here to tell you, this is what every heart desires. Peace with God. Have you noticed on the news all the talk of the UFOs recently? There's like UFO stuff all the time. People, they found a fragment of a UFO. There's UFO encounters. Why? Why? Why the fascination with UFOs? Let me tell you why. Because we have a generation that is losing their faith in Christ and are looking. They are, they are, they are hardwired for the supernatural. God created us to encounter the supernatural God. And so they are seeking. We living in a generation that is seeking something outside of ourselves. They desperately want to believe in something is out there other than us. Something, I'm not just on this planet alone, floating on this rock through space. This is the, the seed of faith that God has placed in every single person. This longing to know that there is something bigger than me out there. And that something is Jesus Christ, the Father God and His Spirit, the three-in-one God. Then people are desperate. I, I have people who send me things on, on Nephilim. And I have people who send me things on angel worship. And they have things that all in like magic shows. And I'm like, yes, I get your heart to desire something bigger. But it can only be fulfilled through peace with God. Peace with God. Those who are justified have peace with God. And you better know what that means so that we can operate in real faith. Justification, put this definition up if you would. Justification, this is God's act of declaring and accepting. Do you have that there? Yes. Justification is God's act of declaring and accepting a person as righteous in His sight. Justification, a person is declared righteous in the sight of God. Why does that matter? Because sin can't enter the presence of God. We need, sin separates us with God. And when, when we are justified, we're made right with God. It's a legal term. And the legal term means basically that you've been found innocent. You've been found innocent before God. But how do we get justified? How do we get justified with God? Historically, people work hard to be good. You see, we have this deism happening in the world today. As people deconstruct their faith, we have this deism, and it sounds like this. Good people go to heaven. Bad people go to... Right. Good people go to... Bad people go to... Sounds good. It's not the gospel. The gospel is we're all bad people. But Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the world. And those who have faith in Christ are adopted in and are justified before God. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we get to have relationship with God. By faith, when our sin is brought before God, He declares us not guilty. By the saving faith that we have in Jesus, our sins were borne by Jesus on the cross, and now we have peace with God. Psalm 103 says that God removes our sin as far as the east is, from the West. Now, if you wrestle with the past sins in your life and you are saved, I want you to memorize that. Write down Psalm 103. I want you to memorize that verse and I want you to quote it when you have issues with your past life. God removes our sin as far as the East is from the West. The East never comes to meet the West. They never touch. They are eternally separated. There is never a time that East and West come together. And God says that when you have received Christ as your Savior, your sin has been separated from you. Totally, absolutely separated from you. Watch this. Believing faith challenges this culture that we live in. Believing faith is opposite of this culture that we live in. The culture that we live in says you are the sum total of what you have done. If you ever did something bad, you're no longer a good person. How many times have we seen celebrities, a stupid tweet from nine years ago pops up 
And all of a sudden, this person that we all loved, all of a sudden, he's an awful person. He's a horrible person that nobody should like, shouldn't have a job. Aren't you glad that's not on your resume? Aren't you glad? I, I'm, 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 I'm thankful as a Gen Xer that I didn't grow up with social media. Because when I was 19, I was stupid. Very, very, very stupid. And I said lots and lots of things that make me cringe to think about now. Anybody got any cringe-worthy memories? Cringe-worthy memories. And in a digital age, those memories can be eternal, unfortunately. I try to tell, I try to tell my leaders in the church, never send an email or a text message that you would not want to be made public. Because at some point, your enemy will make it public. If you got something private to say, pick up the phone. Make a phone call. I tell my daughter growing up, don't ever take a picture you wouldn't want me to see. Because all you need is to show it to one person, and then it's forever. It's out there. It's out there forever. And you might be cute now, but, you know, when your son is 11, you don't want him seeing that. Can we just be honest? I'm just going to be real for I'm going to be I'm going to be real for a second. Can we just be real for a second? Can we can we breathe down? There is a there there's like a, 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 a <clears throat> it's it's almost a, a a wave of problems today with kids, boys in middle school, girls in middle school when they finally get old enough that their peers find out that their parents have been on OnlyFans. And it's all cool when you're, you know, 20 making money, but when your 14-year-old kid's getting beat up in middle school because mom's been, you know, out there, like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, as believers, we gotta just think a little bit farther into the future. Is this, does this make sense to anybody? We are like, 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 you capture things permanently. It's permanently captured. And and if, and if you're gonna share your most intimate moments for five dollars. Yeah, I understand sex positive and all that. I, 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 I kind of, I understand it. I also am like, um, you're worth more than five dollars, and and your kid's security is worth more than seven dollars right now, right? Because you, you, you there's, and you can't do anything about it, right? And so I am thankful. I'm thankful, Duke. I'm thankful that I don't have pictures. I'm, I'm utterly thankful that I don't have pictures of myself at that because. You, you know what I actually do? I wipe my social media every couple of years. I, I t look on my, on my Twitter, two years worth. I just wipe them. I'm like, I don't believe half the things I believed earlier this week. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely, I just wipe it all out. I'm just like, nah, just wipe all that out, you know? Like, I don't want to give free, free content to Elon Musk anyways, right? I'm just, I'm just deleting it. Mark Zuckerberg, I just delete my old Facebook stuff. I like I don't I don't need that. I if I want to keep it, I keep it. The stuff I don't want to keep is gone. I just I just delete it because I'm I'm I am moving on. I am I am not the person I was. Amen. Does anybody feel the same way? You're not the person you were. People say, Oh, you changed. And I'm like, Yeah, you stayed the same. Like, like why like why aren't you changing? Some of you, some of you have lost relationships because people say that you you changed. And you're like, thank you. Thank you very much. If you would like to change, come to church with me. Get the Holy Ghost. And you could, you could change as well. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody. Yeah, I changed. And I'm not embarrassed that I changed. I'm not embarrassed at all. Oh, you ain't keeping it real. Yeah, keeping it real. No, no thanks. I don't need, I don't need keeping it real. I'm, 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 I need to grow. I need to pay bills and I need my, my kids to be proud of me. I, I want peace with my God. I, I'm, I'm not going to be stuck in a bad situation just to keep it real. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be defined by your expectations of keeping it real. I've, you'll notice, you'll notice that the people doing the least are the ones who will criticize you the most for doing something in your life. People ain't accomplishing nothing, got, got all kind of criticism about what you're doing. My, the, the people I've had the biggest challenges in ministry with are people who wouldn't do nothing for Jesus if they hadn't met me. And then all of a sudden, I ain't doing what they want me to do. And all of a sudden, they, oh, Jesus. What are you going to do? You ain't, you, you ain't doing nothing for Jesus. You want to criticize the, something I'm doing for Jesus. That's how you know a real pastor. Real pastors don't criticize people doing 
something for Jesus. Like you may be doing it different than me. There's churches in Boca. You're doing it different. I'm on your side. Anybody out there who is putting themselves out there with the spiritual warfare to follow God, to try to disciple people, to pour their lives into other people, to bring people into relationship with Jesus, if that is who you are, you recognize that in other people and you celebrate it. You celebrate it in their lives. People who want to criticize other churches and tear them down. That ain't Jesus. That ain't Jesus. You're putting on a little celebrity show. And I, I got one. His name is Jesus. Amen. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not like you, right? That's what I'd like to do. I'm not, we are not the same. I don't have the same goals that you have. And Paul said, listen, as we're growing up, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We need to work out this salvation. We, we, we can't joy God if we're wrestling with whether or not we have a relationship with God. Here's what I'm trying to get to in all this justification work. You see, you were called to do something. God put people in your life to reach. God put you in the middle of a center of influence. He called you to be a person of peace in a realm of chaos. And the enemy, the easiest way to keep you from walking in your calling is make you question whether or not you have peace with God. So instead of doing what you're called to do, you spend your life trying to do what Jesus already accomplished, making you right with the Father. You've got to get it settled in your heart that I am saved. I know that I'm saved. My future is decided. I have an eternity with Christ. I don't got this thing perfected yet. But the Bible told me that it is a process anyway to get this perfected. I am not going to look at my future through the lenses of my trauma in the past. I'm not going to view myself through what I did wrong in the past. I am going to accept that I am a child of God. I am saved. I have received the Spirit of God. There is a mission on my life. I'm called to do something I'm called to make a better life for my family. I'm called to preach the gospel to the people around me. I'm called to be an ambassador for Jesus, an ambassador of reconciliation to those who are away from God. I may not feel equipped, but I don't walk by feeling. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith in the living God. And I walk by faith in the Word of God that says that if I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior and I have gone down in the waters of baptism, I came up a new creature. I came up a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I might feel like that old person, but the truth is I am not that old person any longer. And sometimes you stumble a little bit and you're like, oh, I stumbled. I didn't change. You done been different for 45 days in a row and you make a mistake on one day and you think the one day is the real you and the 45 days is the fake you. That is the devil lying to you. The real you is that you that came up out of the waters knowing that you are right with God. The real you is the you that stands here on Sunday morning when they're leading worship and you lift holy hands to God and you declare, God, great is your faithfulness and you feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. You feel the love of God in your life. That is the truth. Then the devil comes in and whispers, oh, look, you done got mad at your spouse again. Nothing changed, I guess. And you're like, oh, I guess nothing has changed. The devil is a liar. Can I tell you that again? The devil is a liar. That's not who you are. You are not the sum total of your worst moments. You are a redeemed child of God learning to live as a disciple. Watch this. If faith is the key to our relationship with God, we have to let our faith be purified. We get saved by faith. By faith that Jesus Christ is the sacrifice. Are you getting anything out of this? Is this ministering to you at all? Listen. It is faith that saves us. And if you are going to mature in your relationship with God, your faith is going to have to be purified because you're viewing Jesus through your trauma lenses. And it's going to take a little bit of bravery, a little bit of boldness, and a little bit of faith to let God challenge what you believe about God. 
Let me show you this. Let's continue in our scripture in Romans. Romans chapter 5. It says in verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've also been in, we've also, excuse me, obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, let me hit this. And not only this, we also exult or get excited about or praise in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. We, oh, this is, this is, this is. So, Paul is writing, you know, Christianity is at its heart an Eastern religion. We view it through Western rationality, but it's an Eastern religion. And as we study Eastern religions, we understand that Paul was writing to Rome and there's this dichotomy of what the society values and what the society shuns. And in this Eastern religion, if you talk to people from Japan or China, there is this, there's this very great dichotomy between honor and dishonor. Honor and shame. I have a friend who's a pastor of a church of uh, it's it's a Japanese American church and he was explaining to me that this Japanese culture is very much a shame based culture you don't want to do anything that would bring shame upon you or your family now in America we don't get shamed as easily right like we especially if you're from certain kind of cultures you definitely aren't gonna let nobody shame you you just find something to shame them worse than they try to shame you with right but we have to understand the culture that this comes with comes from and so here we have these Roman Christians who are being persecuted, who are being abused. And Paul is trying to write to them saying, you have this cultural identity that you're viewing the works of God through. You think that because you are being persecuted, because the emperor is murdering Christians and is coming against the faith, that somehow you should be ashamed of that. Shame is at work in your life. And Paul is trying to say, hmm, don't be don't, don't let that happen because that's the work of the enemy. That is not a kingdom perspective. It's not a kingdom value. And let me speak to you right now. Some of you right now do not have the money you could have if you decided that you didn't want to spend more time with your children. Or some of you were offered a job that would cause you to sacrifice your morals. And you said, no, I'm not going to do that for money. I just mentioned a money-making opportunity earlier that I hope you do not get involved in, right? Because this world that we live in in South Florida, we don't have this shame and honor when it comes to family identity as much as we do about wealth, right? In South Florida, that's remember we talked about this youth, beauty, wealth. That's, that's where the honor comes from in our society. And you may be living a life that does not bring that kind of honor, because your values that Jesus put in you by the Holy Spirit told you there's something greater that you need to press into. This is what Paul is talking about here. He says, we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Now, this, this hope is not hope like we would call, like, I hope I hit lotto, right? Or I hope that my, my, my great uncle who I don't like, hope he dies soon and gives me that inheritance, right? This is not that kind of hope. The, 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 if, if you look into the background of this word hope, this, this hope has to do with being in a place of honor. Like, I, I, like I, I, I have this inner need, desire to live a lifestyle that is honoring. And Paul is saying, if you want real honor, not this earthly honor, not this fleshly honor, not this cultural honor. If you want the kind of honor that's honored in heaven, I want you to not be embarrassed of the suffering that you're going through right now. Because the suffering that you're going through purifies your faith so that you can produce something greater than the world can produce on its own. Some of you are making decisions about parenting and making decisions about your, 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 your career and it does not look like your peers because the Holy Spirit has prompted you to hold something in higher honor than what you have seen 
in this society. See, the point of being saved, right, it's not to stay out of hell. And, and we do people a disservice when we give them this heaven and hell dichotomy on being saved. Because what we tell them is, we tell them, listen, you need to get saved so you don't go to hell. What we're telling them is, I am standing as a judge over your life, and I've decided since this, we've already agreed that society believes that good people go to, bad people go to, so the people who go to heaven are good, the people who go to hell are. So if you start your sales pitch with, I just think you're a bad person, and I will let you know how to become a good person. That, that's not, that, 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 not going to work as well as you think it's going to work. That's, that's, not, that's, that's not as masterful and tactful as you think it is. It is not the convincing argument that you think it might be. It's, it's, it's actually judgmental, and there's a reason people don't want to hear your gospel presentation, because it's not actually good news. Because you start with news like, hey, I've gotten to know you, and I think you suck, right? And I, I, think, that, I think that you're bad, and not, not only that, I think God thinks you're bad, and not only do I think you'll go to hell, I'm pretty sure God thinks you'll go to hell. That's a, this, is, this is not how Jesus presented the good news. The good news of the kingdom is, God is for you. You might want to meet Jesus. God sent Jesus to bring a kingdom into the world so that you can escape the corruption of this generation. You are living under forces that you can never satisfy. There is a society and pressures in South Florida that are contrary to your heart's desire. And those heart's desire can only be met when you know the living God. That is the good news. And so it's not about escaping hell and going to heaven. The goal is to be joined with God. Are you hearing me? The goal is to be joined with God. God has invited us into the divine life. You don't have kids and then you just cut them off at some age. As your kids get older, you want them to be friends. You want to have an ongoing relationship. You brought them into your life and you spent all these years with them and you'd like that to mature and flourish and get even better, and get even more healthy, and be even more loving, and even more fulfilling. This is, this, is, this is what God desires for you. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, the very first question, it states, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's good news, friend. That's good news. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Oh, sweet Jesus. I have to rush because I thought I had a short message today. And um, I've been going for a minute. might come up, and, I'm, and I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to do with half of this message right here. Listen, we can't enjoy God if we're wrestling with God. We've we got to let Him make peace with us. And the Bible talks about this as being in Christ. Theologically, it's called having union with Christ. And, 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 and Peter talked about this. He said, he said, he said, we become partakers of the divine nature of Christ. This is way past not sinning. This is way past changing our ways. This is coming into a loving relationship with God. And, and if you could just give me a couple more minutes, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to share the rest of my message and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that this gets settled in your heart and that the love of God would flood your heart and you will be able to move past this wrestling with your place in God. So just stay engaged for a moment. Can you do that? Can you just give me a couple more minutes? Yeah? Well, I'm going to do it either way, but I'm sure like your agreement. God wants you to get to a place that you are completely secure in Him. God wants you to get to a place where you do not question your relationship. You don't question God's heart towards you. You do not wonder what God thinks about you. God really wants you to be integrated in the divine triune life where you participate in the love of God. You fully know that you're saved. This is way past not sinning. I want to be so lost in God that I don't know where I end and God begins. See, at salvation, you receive the Holy Ghost and He lives in you and He begins to transform your life. Jesus said, this is eternal life. He prayed to the Father. 
that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus went on to pray. He said, that the love of God with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. When you receive Jesus, you receive the love of God. You receive the Holy Ghost. If you're into theological text, put up that next graphic if you would, please. There it is. Flame of Love, A Theology of the Holy Spirit by Clark Pinnock. If you're into some real dense theological writing, this is what Clark Pinnock said. He says, salvation is the Spirit who indwells us, drawing us toward participation in the life of the triune God. The goal is union with God at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I can't get to God, so God took care of the problem. If you're saved, God wants your life to be one where you no longer worry about saving faith. He wants you to not worry about being joined to God. He wants you to move into trusting faith. And then trusting faith to obeying faith. He wants you to move into full participation in the life of God. I got a call from a brother this week. Thank you. I got a call from a brother this week who was just so excited that he got this divine appointment with a young man. He was so excited. He's like, I met this guy and I could just see in his eyes that there's a calling on his life. And I rejoiced internally not just at the divine appointment that, that this person has now moved in the trusting faith. See, a divine appointment is when you are just living in the triune life of God. You're in the midst of the Trinity. And there's just somebody that God has been pulling on. Their own God story has been happening. Unbeknownst to them, God dropped a little appointment on your calendar. And unbeknownst to you, He dropped a little appointment on your calendar. And you start talking to this person and something sparks up and you're like, oh, this isn't just me at the store. This isn't just me at a party talking to somebody. This, this isn't just me at the neighbor's house. God has dropped a divine appointment in my life. And out of my security with God, God has told me to tell this person about the true love that they're looking for. About the true purpose that they were created for. God has now called, oh, He set this, this appointment up that I could not have set up on my own to invite them into a place where they can hear about their purpose and their calling. Friend, don't ever look past these. Don't minimize these. Don't, don't make God tug at your heart 15 times. See, in that divine appointment, is all the anointing that you need to share the gospel. He'll just begin to speak through you. He'll begin to, he'll begin to move through you. He'll begin to show you grace in ways that you don't even know. A good half the prophetic words I receive over my life right now, God talking to me, is in counseling appointments. I sit down and I talk to somebody and I start talking to them. I'm like, man, that, that, that's, that's pretty good, God. That's, that's some good word right there. He goes, I know, that's for you. They get to get some of it too. That's really for you. Well, thank you, Jesus. You ever talk to somebody and you're like, oh, this is good. I should write this down. You ever, you ever, that ever happened to anybody in the room? You're like, ooh, this is good stuff. I should write that down. Someone should write that down. God's like, yep, because that's for you. But we miss out on that because we're not secure enough in our relationship to tell somebody about God. Bible tells us time and again that our true identity is found in our participation in the life of the triune God by the Spirit. Let me speak this over you today. We are sons of God and joint heirs with Christ according to Romans 8, 17. Let me speak this over you today. Our life is hidden with Christ in God according to Colossians 3, verse 3. Let me speak this over you today. It is in God that we live and move and have our being, according to Acts 17, 28. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Let me speak this over you today. 
The Spirit sweeps us up into the love of God so that walking in the Spirit, we become ever better acquainted with the love that surpasses understanding. And we are filled with the divine fullness according to Ephesians chapter 13. The Spirit summons us to transforming friendship with God that leads us to sharing in the triune faith. Are you feeling the Spirit begin to move in the room right now? I'm feeling the Holy Ghost begin to move in the room right now. And so last week we talked about believing faith, trusting faith, and obeying faith. Today, friend, I want you to let it be settled that through faith in God, believing faith is, is yours. It's yours. If you've not received Christ as your Savior, we're going to have an altar call right here at the end. You can come forward. I'm not going to call you out, but someone will pray with you. But this is what Jesus promises you in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, God fully intends to move from believing faith into trusting faith. Oh, God is leading me here. Oh, God has given me this divine appointment. Oh, this thing isn't working out the way I thought it was going to work out. But the Holy Ghost is working on levels I don't understand. So I'm not going to turn my back on God and think that He's forgotten about me or that He's punishing me. Because I know that all things work together for those who believe. And since I do believe, I know that God is working in ways I do not see. When we do that, when we, when we get it settled, believing faith in our life, here's what you get to do. Let me tell you what's awesome. You get to graduate. You get to graduate from worrying about where you're at with God to focusing your attention on where God is crashing into your life. Oh, this is glorious, friend. Let me stoke your faith for what's coming in the next couple weeks. Let me provoke you a little bit. I had a dinner last night at the, at the Ramples, which was, thank, thank you so much. Good food, good fellowship. Rentlers and my wife and I and the Ramples got together, had some dessert, and just talked and talked about the Bible and talked about Jesus, talked about life, talked about money, talked about problems, talked, just talked. And at the end, uh, someone that we love uh, came to mind. Actually, I, I can tell you who it is. Uh, our one of our Revival Kids co-directors, Miriam, is uh, suffering from COVID again, and uh, she's been fighting it for a while. So keep, keep her in prayer. And her name came up, and we said, let's just, let's just pray for her right now. And as the six of us began to pray, instantly the heavens opened in the room. Instantly the power of God fell in the room. Like, we just, this person came to mind. We're like, oh, man, she had meningitis last year, and we were praying for her, and now she had COVID. That's terrible. And we're looking, oh, wait a minute. Here's a, here's a person that we love that's dealing with sickness an opportunity for the glory of God. Let's pray for her right now. And as we're looking for those open doors, we began to pray, and the presence of God fell in the room. And as we started praying for her, the Spirit just began moving, and we began prophesying over one another. We began prophesying over our lives, and prophesying over our futures, and prophesying over our families, and, and the Lord began to speak to us. Even things that I incorporated in my message today became clear because God began to prophesy in that room. And, and some of you in here today, you, you've been dealing with the arrows shot in your back. You've been dealing with those arrows so much, and God is like, I, I, I want you to not worry about that anymore. I'm going to take care of these things, these demonic attacks, the trauma that has happened to you, so you can fully look forward with eyes of faith in the future. Let me ask you, friend, when you look forward, you think about what might go wrong, what might go right? Are you looking through eyes of faith or through eyes of trauma? Because God wants to heal trauma today. 
I said, God wants to heal trauma today. God wants to give a future and a hope today. God wants you to be secure in His plan for you today. Jesus came to heal. And if you will shift your focus from Jesus came to brought me so that I can go to heaven. Yes. But the end of the story isn't us in heaven. The end of the story is Jesus coming back and healing earth. Healing you. Living in a perfected earth. The end of the story is us living in the perfected creation of God. So stand with me if you would. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Shakaba. We're going to pray. Oreba. Shakaba. Here's what I'm going to do. Wow. Shaba. I'm going to pray. Sheba. Ha. Ha, ha, ha. And as I pray, the Holy Spirit is going to begin coming into the room. Whoa. And He is going to move on hearts in this room. And He is going to begin to heal trauma. And for some of you, the fiery darts of the enemy are stuck in your back. And they've been burning so bad, it's hard for you to move past it. And the angel of the Lord is going to come and remove those arrows from your back today. And for some of you, you're going to be able to forgive. Some of you, you're not going to forgive. You're just going to forget. You're just going to move on. Jesus. Ha. Jesus. Ha. prayer language, just kind of quietly pray in the Spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, wow. Holy Spirit, ha. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come right now. Ha. You would come right now and you begin to move in the hearts of the people in the room. Move in the hearts of the people in the room. Father, I pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would move in healing. Ha. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every demonic attack that has come against you. In the name of Jesus, I declare the blood of Jesus over your life. I declare the blood of Jesus over your life. I declare the blood of Jesus over your life. I declare the healing of God over your life. I declare that doubt, fear, and anxiety is broken in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus that faith is rising in your life right now in the name of Jesus. I declare right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ total freedom over your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And in this atmosphere, I believe the Lord wants to show you what's ahead instead of viewing it through the trauma glasses of what has happened in the past. I believe that God wants to show you right now what His plans, His hopes, and His future is for you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Lean in. Lean in. Come on. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of